Are you looking for some real estate deals that you could offer to your clients? Or some tips, advice, and tricks that could help you amp up your real estate investing skills? Subscribe now in Real Estate IQ. Real Estate IQ will provide you all the tools you need to find and evaluate real estate deals. Visit us at www.realestateiq.co to learn more. Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding. This event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ. We are number one in deal finding with over 45,000 leads every month. All right, I'm going to introduce our speakers today and let them tell you a little bit about uh, what they're seeing in the market, what they're doing right now. And our first one is Tom Berry. And Tom is here in Houston, actually not too far away from my house is his office. Um, uh, so he's got several businesses you can see right there. Um, Tom Barry, REI, Edgewater Property Management, Galco Properties, and partner and co-founder of Investor Loan Source. So Tom, go ahead and please tell us, tell us what's going on. All right. Thank you very much, Becky. And thanks, everybody, for getting on the call this evening and uh, uh, getting a little bit of education. So, um, you know, when I was approached to do this, they said I had to bring some good news. So I'm going to save that for just a couple of minutes, a quick little intro. I am a real estate investor. Like most of you on the call, or, or at least all of you that want to be, I am in the trenches and investing in real estate. Uh, at our peak, my wife and I own 400 units. Uh, of residential real estate. And uh, now, you know, we have a lot of other businesses and so forth. So we're down to probably only 70 units. Um, but at one time, we were running and gunning. We were going crazy managing a lot of property. Um, now we also have a lot of commercial assets. Uh, we also run a lending company, which is Investor Loan Source that you see on the slide there. Uh, and I'm a private equity fund manager and I help passive investors invest through our private equity funds. So um, I've pretty much seen the gamut when it comes to real estate investing over the last 14 years. Um, I, Here's my good news. I'll start with the good news and then I'm going to get into why I think it's fantastic news. So those of you that are taking notes, you want to write down this next two sentences. All right. Sentence one is income is made in a steady or rising market. Now that is just my 14 years of experience. It is easy to make income in real estate uh, or in a lot of things for that matter in a steady or rising market. But wealth is created when there is market disruption. Let me say that again. Wealth is created when there is a market disruption. And my wife and I are living proof of that because we got into real estate in 2007, late 2007. And a lot of people that I talk to and tell my story to at this point, they always say, oh, gosh, you couldn't have got in at a worse time. And that's not true. We couldn't have got in at a better time because we got in right before what? A huge market disruption. The largest market disruption probably in a couple of decades. And so if there is a market disruption, that creates opportunity to build wealth. That's where you get aggressive. That's when you do the things that other people are cowering in the corner because they're too afraid to do. So. I'll tell you a little bit about why I, why I say this and why I say it's good news. And obviously I say all of this 
understanding full well that the pandemic that we're going through right now is a catastrophic event. We've lost over 155,000 American lives to this crazy virus. And I'm not making light of that at all. Uh, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm just this opportunistic person that misses that in the overall scheme of things. But we're here to talk about real estate and how to propel your business. And I'm saying that I believe we have a market disruption right around the bend. In fact, I think it has already started. So I'll get into why I think that. Um, in 2008, my wife and I started buying single family houses. Why did we do that? Because everybody was giving them away. Okay, we bought, you know, 100 houses in a very short period of time. And we bought these things at pennies at pennies on the dollar. And could we sell them at the time? No, nobody was buying. Nobody had credit at that time to buy. So what did we do? We rented them out. We filled them with good quality tenants that paid those notes for us, and we just kept them until the market turned back around again. And that's the beauty of market cycles. Nothing is forever, right? No market situation is forever. It's always temporary. Um, in 2011, houses were getting hard to buy at the numbers we were used to buying them at, and rents had not arisen to a point that allowed us to continue to buy. So we stopped buying houses, but at the same time, the apartment market in Houston tanked. And we were picking up apartment complexes at anywhere from 13,000 to the most we ever paid was $28,000 a door. Now, those numbers today, that's crazy. Because in 2016 and 17, we sold those same apartment complexes at 46 to $64,000 a door. So what I'm here to tell you is that this broke country boy from Appalachia, Ohio originally got into real estate in 2007 because we were bankrupt and lost everything in a previous business. We completely set ourselves up financially independent in a five year period. Now, it didn't happen because we were geniuses. It happened because there was a huge I, I actually a cascading market disruption. And I understood market cycles being uh, from a financial background and we just took advantage of it. That's all. So what I would say to those that are listening and looking for some good news today is that if you are um, attuned to what is going on in the market and you get out ahead of it, it is very, very reasonable to say that a lot of the people on this call today could be completely and totally financially independent five years from now. That is very, very easy to predict. Now that's pretty cool. And I think that is fantastic news. We don't really know, sorry, that's me. Uh, we don't really know what this particular disruption is gonna play out like yet. I think we're too early into it to, to have those answers, but I'll give you some statistics as to what we're seeing already. First of all, in a 48-hour period over a month ago, 50% of our national lending competitors went out of business in a 48-hour period when the capital markets froze up on hard money lending. That is incredible for us. Now that's sad for 50% of our national competitors and their employees. 
But what that did for us is it threw so much more volume at us. We were able to streamline our processes, hire new people. Yes, we were hiring people during the shutdown because we didn't have enough people to handle the applications that were coming in. We tightened our underwriting requirements. We started cherry picking. Why could we do that? Because we had more apps than we had money to do. So we started cherry picking and getting even better applicants, better borrowers. Another disruption that we see, unemployment. Unemployment right now is catastrophic, okay? This, I believe, and Aaron and I were talking about this before the, the meeting, once these eviction and foreclosure seizures freeze, uh, thaw out, in other words, once the courts open back up again and allow landlords and bankers and lenders to go in and do what we should have never been told we couldn't do in the first place by law, there's going to be a glut of properties. Uh, there is no way you can have 50 million people unemployed in this country and not have a glut of properties. It may not be that these people can't buy a house, but they can't stay in the house that they're in. So I think for us, what we've done is we've completely changed our buying model. We've completely changed our lending model. And I'm putting all my chips on what I consider to be affordable housing. Now, a lot of you are from around the country. In Texas, in our Texas market, I describe affordable housing as houses that cost less than $300,000. And all of our chips are on the table for that market because that's the market that didn't get killed. Now, back in 2008, that number was 200,000, by the way, but now that, that number has climbed. Um, but that market didn't get killed the last time. It didn't get killed in 08. And there were phenomenal opportunities there. We also see the stock market roller coaster right now. One day it's a record, the next day it loses 400 points. This is craziness for those that have their retirement savings in the stock market. So the other thing that we're seeing is we're seeing an absolute record amount of money leaving the stock market and coming into our private equity funds because they're steady, they're stable, and that they're not a roller coaster. And we've got dentists and doctors and accountants and uh, architects and you know high income people that don't wanna ride this coaster. So that has also provided us a phenomenal opportunity. Uh, and we'll, we already have a record year in, in those funds, uh, just in money coming in as well as returns to the investors. So that's what we're seeing in the market. If anybody would like to learn more, um, I'll give you a couple of websites, TomBerryREI.com. You can follow me there. If you just click on that info thing and put in your uh, email address, we'll be happy to keep in touch with you there. I do a lot of videos on what we're seeing in the marketplace, and uh, we push those out to all the followers at that website. Uh, ILS.cash. Uh, is our website for our lending company if you're looking for loan products. And if you are looking to invest money and get off the roller coaster, don'tbuystock.com. Don'tbuystock.com uh, is our website for that. My personal email address, if you have a question for me, is tom at ils.cash. And I'm happy to talk with anybody that would like to. Thank you, Becky, for the time. All right. Thank you, Tom. And uh, we will have time again, as I said, at the end for some more questions. Or feel free to type them into the chat as well.
All right. Next, we have David Caballero. And uh, David purchased his first business in 2011. He's owner of two restaurants, entrepreneur, also does Real Impact HEB REI in the DFW area. So, David, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Becky, how's everybody doing? I would like to welcome everybody to this uh, great panel. It's a great pleasure to be here with Tom and Aaron and, and Becky. And um, I think it's really, really great time to be here and to get educated and to, to meet other people, uh, which I really appreciate what Real Estate IQ is doing, bringing people together. And um, we're gonna talk about uh, what is what we're looking at in the market and, and how we are reacting to it. And I believe there's two sides to every story. And part of what we're looking at, it's a little bit of fear from people um, reacting towards all the news and all the election time that is coming up and everything is uh, probably coming to a stop on one side. And uh, on the other side, we're looking at houses moving and apartments getting rented and, and what's been happening. It's really a great time to be a real estate investor. Uh, one of the things that I would like to, to touch on is a lot of people don't realize that real estate has been the greatest uh, strategy of investing for a long time. There's only a certain amount of it and, and people will always need a place to live. And if you find a way to be able to get connected on one side of real estate or, or another, um, like Tom was mentioning, he's looking at the affordable $300,000 or less, which is a great market to be in. Um, that's one way to go. But uh, in general, um, real estate is, is one of the drivers that makes you uh, money if you actually learn how to do it. Um, I want to, uh, the, the great news is that it's a great time to learn. There's a great time to be able to be connected and to probably get a mentor. Most people that are millionaires have learned from other people uh, that have had mentors. I know everybody that has been successful, that has been doing this for a while, has learned from somebody else. So one of the things that I would like to, for you to give you is find a person that is doing what you would like to be doing and uh, follow that person. You know, you have to be able to follow in the footprint of somebody else. Uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's many, many ways to make money in real estate from the loaning side to the investing side to selling the homes to getting a commission uh, to just creating uh, money out of thin air. Uh, you can do it through real estate. But the important part is to be able to have a process, to have a plan, uh, to be able to know where to go, who to consult whenever you have a question. And uh, you're not on your own. You know, that's one thing that I want to be very clear on. A lot of people don't have the ability to go and talk to somebody because they don't know their exact circumstance. And maybe you don't have a lot of money right now. Maybe you don't know where to get started. But it's so important for you to know that there is a com community of investors like Aaron, Tom, and and I and Real Estate IQ um, that would love to help you, guide you, and and we're just friendly people that will you know spend five minutes. You know we're not here to waste our time either, but we are here to help the community. A lot of people don't understand how big helping other people is, how this is a relationship business, and uh, we are here to create a community to be able to make money, but also to improve the life of people and to impact them, which is the reason for my company, that the name of it is to be able to impact the life of others. Um, real estate has created more millionaires than any other industry because you're able to hold 
wealth. You're able to uh, increase the value, uh, your net worth, 10 times as much as any other investment. I do own other businesses. I do still have the restaurant side and you, you guys see the news and see how they suffer. But real estate, real estate is very steady. Uh, but you have to be able to get the right relationships in place. So it's so important for you to come to these events, to, for you to uh, attend meetups, to get to know lenders, to get to know realtors, to get to know other wholesalers, and just different places from different people because that will allow you to develop a relationship with guys and, and gals to be able to know what to do and who to ask. And um, attend the meetings and just get in touch with people so that you can impact other people's life. You know. We, all of us are here because somebody else helped us, guided us, and has brought us to this point. Uh, none of us is able to make it in this business without the right relationships. And uh, it's so important that you contact the people that are here and to develop you know, deeper connections. Any questions that you may have, we're here for you. We're here to answer uh, your questions, which is the reason for this panel. I don't want to take a lot of time. I'll rather spend time answering your questions um, than just talking about a, a PowerPoint presentation or something else. Um, so number one, choose real estate. If you want to do multifamily, if you want to do vacationals, if you want to do Airbnbs, or if you want to do wholesaling, there are many, many ways. Make sure you know uh, what you're doing because many times a lot of people are um, losing their investment because they never took the time to get educated on what they were going to do. And even though a lot of the same principles apply to a lot of real estate, you do have to get connected with the right people. Like if you're doing multifamily, find somebody that is doing what you want to do. If you're doing single family or if you're doing uh, vacation rentals, you have to get connected with those people so that you're able to get in the right relationship. When is a good time to invest? The good news is that you are about to see um, a big storm coming, you know, and you have to be in the right place to help people. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how many houses are going to be lost whenever the help from the government stops. Whenever people lose their job, you're seeing the unemployment rate increase and just the, the, there's a big change coming to the economy. And as investors, we're here to help people get them out of that situation to be able to put them in a better situation. A lot of people that I talk to, they're desperate because they don't have a way out. So the time is now. The time is now to be ready, to be educated, to be able to know what you're going to do and how you can help those people that are in need. If you have um, a question or books to read, I'll probably post some books that you can read or questions. Uh, you can always go to my uh, website, reiimpact.com, which gives you the ability to just um, learn. The, the website's impact rei training sorry.com and uh, that allows you to read up on things and how the market is doing in dallas we're based out of dallas fort worth and that allows us allows you to be able to have a more knowledgeable approach to what you're doing um winston churchill said this quote success is not final failure is not fatal and it is the courage to continue that counts so i would like to encourage you to just continue your education to just keep on going. You're in the right place. Real estate, it's the right strategy. It's the right place to invest your money, to be able to develop it, to be able to control it. Um, like he was mentioning about 
the stock market or other coins or gold or silver, there's really little control that you have over those markets. In real estate, the more that you know, the more that you can control and you can see how much money you're going to make. You can calculate those and really it's really minimal risk if you know what you're doing. So you do have to have some type of education. The market here in Dallas has been doing great. It stopped for maybe a dime. Um, we had about 11,000 homes the first and the second quarter of this year and now it has increased to about 15,000 homes more or less which means that we're basically at a six month period um, of inventory in the Dallas Metroplex. That allows us to be able to know that the market is right there in balance with selling and how much people are, are wanting. Might be that people waited to put their house on the market or, or they were just waiting to see what happened, but the market is moving right now. We're not in a recession, we're not um, in great growth, but if you have a house to sell right now, you're probably in a good position. I've sold a few homes during this pandemic and they have sold over asking price, which means that the, the contractor did a great job as well, but right now it's the time. So just keep, it, keep on going. Uh, have the courage to just continue. If you have great success, great. Um, you know, know what to do with that, with that win. But if you fail, uh, just get back up. A lot of people in real estate, their first, second deals, they just you know fail at it. And, and they just get back up on the horse and, and keep on riding and now they're in another place because they have changed um, the way. And how to do it, uh, I, I know I already touched on this, but how to do it is get the right relationships. Uh, find out, maybe you have heard this from your uncle or from your great grandfather or whoever, but know that the times are changing and you have to be able to adjust. See who's in the game right now, see who's doing the deal, see how many deals are doing, see who can guide you and just ask around. There's a lot of people that will will help you, that are willing to help you one-on-one. Uh, -on -one, you know, we're missing the, the in-person meetings, but this is a great way to connect. You know, shoot us an email, we're here to help. Um, the time is now. We would love to be with you to take you to the next level. Thank you. All right. Thank you, David. That's some great advice in there for everyone, especially if you're just getting started. All right. And next we have Mr. Aaron. You know what? I didn't ask you how you said your last name. Gistel? Gistel. Uh-huh. Gistel. All right. We have Aaron Gistel from Listing Spark. Um, so if any of you are not familiar with Listing Spark, it's a way you can list your own property on the MLS without having to pay full realtor commissions for that. So Aaron, the floor is yours. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Super pumped to be here. I, I love listening to really smart people talk about real estate. So uh, it's been fun listening to Tom and David. They certainly are worth listening to. That was a lot of uh, great info and dropping some great knowledge. So a little bit about my background is I'm the broker and one of the co-founders of Listing Spark. So we're a technology-driven real estate brokerage. We help investors uh, move their properties when they're ready to get them sold after the flip's done and after they're ready to get their money back out of it. So we provide a suite of tools using a technology-based system that's going to give you all of the essentials that you would expect from a real estate agent. It's just without that huge commission that comes along with it. So our goal is to uh, maximize your profits while giving you all the same kind of tools and resources that you need to effectively get your property sold. So we get you up on the MLS, we advertise in all the major sites, 
ZillowTrulliaRealtor.com. We provide professional photos, sign, lockbox. We use showing time for showings, give you guys feedback and uh, text message notifications for all your showings. We have a negotiation portal once you get an offer on one of your listings to make sure you can uh, effectively negotiate out contracts and ultimately get those things sold. So uh, to date, Listing Spark, we've sold over a billion dollars worth of real estate. Um, right now, we sell about $30 million worth of real estate a month. Uh, we operate in all the major metros around Texas and a few of the smaller markets. So we're in Austin. I'm actually standing in Austin right now. So we're in Austin, DFW, Houston, San Antonio, Corpus, Colleen, Waco. Um, and so we're here to be a great resource for you guys when you're ready to get your property sold. So excited for uh, the opportunity to work with any of you that we haven't had a chance to work with yet. And the, the door is always open to talk shop and just talk real estate. Um, so in the spirit of tonight's conversation, let's, let's talk about some good news. So the nice thing about um, being at a company that sells over a hundred houses a month as we get to compile a lot of really great data. So um, we saw a little bit of a lag start in April and carry into May when the stay at home orders hit. So buyers recoiled um, both out of fear of what was going on with the coronavirus and fear of the market. I think we've had a lot of people that have been waiting for a correction for a couple years now. So it's most markets don't stay uh, as bullish as they are right now for 12 years. Usually at some point, we're going to have some level of a correction. Um, I've actually been through, uh, I've been in real estate for over 15 years. So I was selling real estate back in 08 and 09. And so it's nice to have gone through that and have experienced some of the, the highs and lows and, and understand the differences between what happened then and where we are now. Um, so the good news is we carried through April and May and we've really seen a checkmark shaped recovery as far as selling homes. Um, we've got a big shortage of inventory right now in all of the major metros and there's still a ton of buyers out there. Um, we have buyers that are getting 2.8% interest rates on their mortgages right now. And so for any buyer that understands the value of purchasing a home with really cheap money and knowing that they're probably going to be in that house for longer than three or four years. That takes a lot of the fear away of buying a house and getting caught in a gully of where we might see prices dip a little bit. So to put it into perspective, and this is what I tell a lot of home buyers that are kind of sitting on the fence. I've yet to meet anybody in Austin, Houston, Dallas, or San Antonio that bought a house in 2007. Uh, and held on to it for longer than three or four years that didn't make a ton of money. So ultimately for buyers right now, the, the smart ones who understand that markets are gonna cycle and things go up and down, um, they're gonna understand the value in, in really cheap money. We may never see interest rates this low again in our lifetime. Um, so that really is helping drive the market. Um, if you're a seller right now, you're in awesome shape. If you're an investor and you've got properties that you're needing to hit the market right now is a phenomenal time. Um, having done this for many, many years, there's been, there's been few times where we've seen these kind of market conditions, getting things moved. Now, what I do tell everybody is, um, as it should always be, it's important, more important now than ever. Speed is really important. So, uh, don't waste time. We're in unprecedented times. I, I, Hopefully we don't 
find ourselves in, a, in the midst of a pandemic that's completely shutting down the world again. So it's hard to be able to tell people exactly what's going to happen. So um, if you've got a property and you need to hit that market, get moving quick and, and get that thing sold and look for your next investment and be nimble and understand different market conditions and understand that now is some really great opportunities, but we have to understand things are going to inherently change. Like uh, David and Tom and I were talking about earlier. Um, it's really hard to predict exactly what's going to happen. I think most people that understand economics and understand real estate are going to see a wave of change hit. Uh, historically, real estate lags behind other market indicators. So for example, foreclosures don't happen overnight. So when we see unemployment hit, it's not like we're going to see foreclosures spike immediately. So right now there's a moratorium on foreclosures, on evictions. That's kicking all this stuff down the road. So it's kicking, kicking the can down the road. So we may not even see the full effects of this in 2020. We might start to see it sprinkle in towards the end of the year. But more than likely, that's going to hit Q1 or Q2 of next year. Um, but the nice thing about where we are now compared to where we were back in 2008. So in 2008, very little equity out there. We had a ton of inventory on the market. We already had a saturated market. We had people financing 103% of their houses. So the day that they move into their home, they're upside down on it. And if they have to sell it, they have to wait years before they can get to a point where they're in a position to where they have any equity. The difference right now is we have a huge shortage. So the market right now can withstand a pretty significant amount of inventory to hit the market and stay balanced. The other thing we have is we have tons of homeowners that actually have equity in their houses. So for investors, I can't think of a time other than now or within the next six to 12 months where as an investor, you're likely going to be able to sync up with a homeowner in a tight spot and find some very serious win-win situations. So a homeowner that's out of a job that needs to get out of their house, but they have a lot of equity and they've got time, a little bit of time before they lose their house to create a win-win situation, whether that's in a subject to where they get to get a little bit of money out of their house, you get to take over a really good performing note and create an opportunity there, whether or not it's just you're able to buy a house below market and have a seller that still gets to walk away with a good amount of money. So I think we are going to see a wave of foreclosures. I think we're going to see a lot of that happen, but I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities outside of that where you have people that have equity and have an opportunity to sell and their motivation is going to be there and we get to be in a beautiful position to where the ultimate goal here is i think for everybody is uh finding win-wins wherever we can and i i think there's going to be a lot of home sellers out there that are going to work with you to create those opportunities um my my advice to everybody is um when you're analyzing properties or understanding what your strategy should be um you've had about a decade of opportunities to where you got to you got to have a lot of big misses and probably still come out ahead and make some money i think that's going to start to become a lot more of a challenge so as the market shifts and things change um people are really gonna have to tighten up on their strategies and so i'm telling a lot of my investors now is come up with a backup plan understand multiple different types of exit strategies if you can't sell it can you rent it can you get out of your hard money and get that into long-term financing that makes sense to Parker Renner, what are your what are different options? Um, I think Tom hit the nail on the head earlier. I love being in that affordable zone. So Austin, right now we have a big affordability problem. It's not the same 
in Dallas and Houston or San Antonio, even though it's getting there. Um, but right now, the houses that are flying off the shelf hover at or below the median home value in that particular market. So if I'm an investor, I'm probably trying to hover within that range. I don't know if I'm getting really risky and buying a ton of high-end high single-family houses to flip right now. Um, because when lending tighten, it tightens up, it tightens up from the top down. So when we saw everything constrict, the jumbo market for a short period of time basically just went away. It, it, it just stopped lending while all the lenders tried to figure out what was going on. So if you were holding a very expensive property where your buyer was probably going to be in a jumbo loan, you were probably sweating it for a little bit. So if you're buying right now, especially single family, I'm really trying to keep my price point low um, because even in a market correction, if you're below the median home value, you're in a very affordable price range, even while the rest of the market is coming down, you could actually be coming up because you have buyers that recalibrate their expectations. Instead of buying at 500, they look at the 350 range and you can actually see those houses that are in the lower price points, even in the midst of a market correction could surge and still be increasing in value. So just be, be really smart. I think getting a mentor is an amazing idea. Go to as many networking events you can, whether it's live or virtual and, and get advice from people that have been there, done that. Talk to people that have been through market cycles. I've had the pleasure of talking to people that have been through the 90s, the early 2000s, 2008, 2009. And now we're going to have a lot of people that are going to, going to come out of this side and, and build a lot of wealth by looking at opportunities. So don't be afraid to partner up. Don't be afraid to meet people that are willing to share their knowledge and, and, and listen. So that's, that's the best advice I can give. All right, thank you very much, Aaron. And we will come back for questions in just a moment. Um, a little bit about Real Estate IQ is we provide leads, we provide access to MLS data. So you can run comps, you can search for those listed properties below market value. Um, and for the off-market leads, I'm seeing our, um, the pre-foreclosures, the, the filings are still happening, not at the same rate, but it's, it is, it's all going to come crashing in at some point because there's a lot of people that just can't afford their properties. And so that is one of the, the benefits, I think, to being a real estate investor is it is, it will create, like Aaron said, a win-win uh, because you're helping them out of their situation, which is having a house that they can't afford. And of course, in turn, that's helping you as well. So it, it is, I think, a great time to get into real estate, as Tom said. So, all right, if you uh, were not on at the beginning and you missed the chance to ask for a free 45-minute one-on-one deal-finding training, you can just put that in the chat and somebody will contact you and, and tell you more. Uh, we have some freebies for you just for being on this call. So all you need to do is say yes to the poll question that's going to come up right now. We have some heat maps that are kind of showing you where the deals are, where the pre-foreclosure filings are happening, where the best rental deals are coming on the market. And then our deal of the day, which is a live MLS deal that you can make an offer on or just kind of consider as an educational tool as well. So just all you need to do is answer those full questions. All right, we also are very proud to introduce our new online community. 
So if you go to realestateiq.co and at the top here it says community, this is our social media site just for real estate investors and everybody connected with them. So as you can see, we have some groups here. I've got a women in real estate group um, and a, whoops, a Houston Deal Finders Lounge group. We've got a book club. We've got all different kinds of groups for whatever you're interested in. We've got a group for that information. Uh, we've also got our marketplace where you can connect with services you need. Find people like Aaron and Tom. And actually, I'm trying to think, David, if it's on the marketplace, I think we're moving that a little bit to a separate place for uh, re-events. So, and you can also go to the events page and find out about our upcoming educational events as well as anybody else's. So please go to realestateiq.co and join our community. Um, here's, there's the events page. I already talked about that. So at this time, we'll open the floor to questions and answers. So um, there was one question earlier I saw, which was directed to David. So I'll let you answer first, and then, um, and then we'll move on and let Tom and Aaron give your two cents on this too. So what is a book that you could recommend or suggest for beginning or people beginning in real estate? Um, there's um, a list of books that we have developed for, for the person that is a beginner. If you send me an email, I'll email that list back. But um, there's a few uh, specifically for wholesaling, which is um, a lot of it that you have to understand for wholesaling is that people are um, not understanding that they're becoming their own business, that they're becoming a salesperson as well. So you have to develop many areas of the business with, within wholesaling. But uh, if you read The Psychology of Influence of, um, Influence of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, uh, it's a great one. Uh, another guy that has um, never split the difference from Chris Boss is another awesome one. And also, if you can't wholesale after this, I Got Nothing For You by Todd Fleming. Uh, those are great books uh, to be able to, to have um, on board to get you started. But I have a whole list um, of books that will build one on each other that I can email back to you. So, I mean, those are great, great. The, the greatest guy in Babylon, um, the, richest, the richest person in Babylon is another great one. And uh, How I Turn a Thousand into Five Million uh, in Real Estate in My Spare Time by William Nickerson. It's another awesome one. But there are many, many great books. Um, to be able to start, a lot of people are learning now on YouTube. And um, they're learning through Zoom meetings. They're learning through connections. So that's another route to go. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with where you're headed and what are you wholesaling or how are you getting started. It has to be applied to you. So this is just a general answer. Thank you, David. Uh, Aaron, what's a book that you would recommend to somebody in this business, either new or otherwise? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, a really great book, Financial Freedom, um, that deals specifically with real estate investing is a good one. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a is a classic. I think you got a couple thousand people that have uh, put reviews on that. I know the last time I looked at that one on Amazon. Um, let's see. Um, 
The Millionaire Investor by Gary Keller. Gary Keller is a pretty significant name in real estate. So that's one that I've, I uh, haven't read myself, but I've heard pretty rave reviews about. So those are, those are a couple that just come to the top of mind. All right. Thank you, Tom. What, what do you think? So I'm going to go a different direction, although I agree with all the books that the other guys have uh, mentioned that I've read, almost all of them that they mentioned. I'm going to talk about mindset books because I think you could get all the technical knowledge that could be offered to you and still fail in real estate or any other business if you don't have your mindset right. I'm huge, huge, huge on mindset. So I'm going to give you two books on mindset that you should read along with the ones that the other guys have mentioned. Um, the first one is The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That's the first one. And the second one is my all-time favorite book I've ever read. I've read it five times, and I'm due to read it again, is Success is Not an Accident by Tommy Newberry. Neither of them have anything to do with real estate, but they have everything to do with business and getting your mind right to be successful in business. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's another little quick one for talking to people um, called Exactly What to Say that I think is a great short one as a help if you need help in talking to homeowners or talking to anybody that you're trying to sell or convince of something. So, all right, great books. Um, we have a question. Katina says, is this a great market for wholesaling? So Tom, I'll let you take that one first. This is the cool thing about wholesaling. There is no bad market for wholesaling. None. Because it's a risk-free investment. Uh, it, it, it's a way to, I always say, and I own a wholesaling company. Uh, I don't run it. So I have another guy that runs it for me. But I always say about wholesaling, it's the way of taking all the risk-free money out of a deal. Now, how can there be a bad market to do that? Absolutely. Aaron, David, either yeah, of you have it's, anything? It's, an, it's I, I agree 100%. I, I think specifically now it's a great market for wholesaling. Um, my advice to any wholesalers out there just from talking to a lot of our investor clients and having done it myself is that I, I think really understanding how you're presenting the properties that you have and shedding light on the best end game and making sure that you're presenting, wrapping it up in a, in a big shiny bow. So when somebody's looking at that deal, they can see the vision of it and understand and um, grasp what the best strategy for that property is going to be. So educating yourself on the market, understanding comps, and whether it's a, a better flip opportunity or if it's a better buy and hold, and how you're presenting that is always extremely important. I think um, obviously the biggest risk for, for doing a wholesale deal is, is just loss of time. I mean, that's really ultimately the only thing you're gonna lose out on since you should have little to no money involved in it. But um, ultimately, I would focus a lot of energy on building a great reputation as a wholesaler by delivering great properties. And I, and I know when our investors are looking at wholesale deals, the main thing that they want to look at is um, understanding as much information as possible about the deal itself so they can make calculated decisions. And then what kind of information are you providing them that's going to paint the picture for how it's going to be uh, the highest and best use for them. So, but yeah. It's definitely a good time to be a wholesaler for sure. 
I also think it's a great time to, to be a wholesaler because, I mean, like they like we mentioned before, um, there are a lot of properties coming, not only on foreclosure, but there's a lot of movement going on from one place to another. So it is a great time to be wholesaling. I do want to say this. Texas is a great place to do that. Uh, the laws permit it, and, and it's, you know, on the side of the small business person, um, which that belongs to us. So um, this is a great market to do that. Um, not every state is as convenient as, as we move uh, virtual to all the states, you will encounter other difficulties throughout the US. But if you stay, you know, Florida, Georgia, uh, Texas, those are great states uh, that have lost better for, for what we do in wholesaling. Um, that's one I do also wanna say wholesaling is probably where most people get started, but it's not an easy job. Um, you do put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of marketing in, and you have to run through a lot of dirt to be able to get to the gold. But uh, once you have a process and a system uh, to be able to do that, you will be able to just systemize it and um, work on on your business. You know, that's one of the things that you've got to do to be able to develop that, and it'll become effective, you know, so you can target people better so you can talk to uh, people better and take care of your buyers. They are your 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 end people. Uh, make relationships with them once again uh, so you know what they're looking for and so you can target better. Uh, a lot of the times once you have developed those relationships you can even sell them uh, what they're looking for a little higher and you'll make a higher commission. Uh, so those are that, that's what I think about it. All right, awesome, thank you. Um, Anna asks is asking, um, how would you recommend I stay active if I have an active construction loan and would like to purchase single family? I don't understand the question, Becky. Maybe we'd need a little <laughs> more context for me on that one anyway. We do. I, I, I think so too. Maybe um, she's just saying she's maybe feeling a bit over leveraged and, and maybe having trouble coming up with a way to get financing. Um, if that's the case, what I, if you have a deal, you're always going to find money in real estate. So you may not be able to go walk into a bank and get a loan. If you have a, if you have an active construction loan and that's tying up all of your, uh, eating up all of your debts income ratio to get some kind of a conforming loan, but look at hard money options, look at partnering options, find somebody that if you bring them the deal and you manage the job, they bring all the money to the table and you work out a win-win equitable split. Um, I learned a long time ago, if there's meat on the bone and there's money for the deal, finding money is actually probably the easiest part of the equation. Um, I would agree with that. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a good deal, you go to somebody like us at investor loan source, we don't care if you have an active construction loan, that is not even on our questionnaire. Um, what we care about is, are you a good person? And do you have a good piece of collateral to give us for this loan? That that's the two things that we're really looking at. So, uh, like Aaron said, you know, hard money, private money, those types of sources are not going to give you the restrictions that you would be used to in the conventional uh, lending market. So that's why we're a great option. That's why we exist as hard and private money lenders. Yeah, there's um, actually on my next uh, webinar that, that I'm doing with Real Estate IQ in August 17, I'll be talking about just money. Uh, there's about eight places where you can get money from. Um, and that will allow you to develop the right relationships depending on where you're at and what type of deal. But like Aaron said, if there's a good deal to be have, money is there. 
and uh, one of them or the best one will be able to go to is usually private money, but you got to learn how to pitch them and how to get in relationships with them to be able to know what they're looking for. So having a, a loan in construction doesn't restrict you from doing any of the other. Most real estate investors have their credit checked about once a day or once a week at, at the least. Uh, so they're used to getting this done. And um, if there's a deal to be had, you know, there's a lot of people willing to pay uh, for that as well. So don't be discouraged. You just have to develop the right relationships with the banks, hard money lenders, uh, private money, even credit cards. You know, there's people that buy houses with credit cards. Uh, it's not the recommended for, for a long period of time. There's people that loan you the money for a day to be able to close on the loan and, and just get it back. So there are many, many options. Uh, we would have to dive into the money side of things, but money, like Aaron says, probably the easiest part of the transaction. Yeah, I think the hardest part is finding the good deal. If you've got, if it's a really good deal, everything else will just fall into place. But if it's not a good deal, that makes it, makes it a little bit harder. Um, Jack says, for buy and hold, can I hold forever or 10, 20, 30 years? I think, are you asking maybe about a recommended time? Absolutely, you can hold for that kind of time. I had started buying houses in 2007, and a lot of the houses that we bought in seven, eight, and nine, we still own in our portfolio to this day. Um, so absolutely. And then there may be times where you think you're going to hold it forever, and somebody comes along and offers you more than you think it's worth, and you're going to do the smart thing and let them have it. Uh, <laughs> and that happens too, believe it or not. So absolutely, I mean, that's what buy and hold means, right? You're building, you're building wealth for yourself. And I believe in real estate, uh, buy and hold is somebody could argue with me and, and we'd have a great discussion, but I really think buy and hold is almost the only way to build true wealth in a short period of time in real estate. Um, but yeah, you can hold as long as you choose to, as long as your financing allows for it. And the other thing too, you know, I didn't get caught up in the financing and the front end. When I started in this business, I already told y'all I was bankrupt. We, we had literally signed bankruptcy before we got into real estate. My wife and I did. And so we couldn't get a loan anywhere. Hard money lenders wouldn't touch us. Nobody would touch us. So how do we buy $18 million worth of real estate in five years? Private money. We bought it all 100% with private money. And I have people say, well, how are you going to hold these as rentals when you got, you know, 12 month rental loans on, uh, you know, 12 month hard money loans on them or private money loans rather? Well, the answer is simple. Private money lenders didn't want their money back. They just wanted monthly payments. And some of those, we rode those private money loans for four or five, six years on some of them before we could refinance them into what most people would consider long-term financing. Any financing can be long-term as long as you and that lender build a great relationship and you're paying and you're doing what you said you would do. You keep the insurance paid. You don't let it lapse. You keep the taxes paid. You don't don't let it get tax liens put on it. You do right by those lenders. They don't want their daggum money back. They really don't. Some of our lenders still have their money with us today um, because they didn't want the money back. They gave it to us in the first place as an investment. They wanted return. 
And that is something that I think a lot of people really miss. They get all caught up in the, well, I can't do this because I don't have that. And I've just never really been limited by those things. I just said, I'm going to do it. And you know, well, what happens when that runs out? I don't know. I'll figure it out then. And the beauty was it really wasn't as big an issue as everybody thinks it is. Yeah, I think to, to piggyback on that, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it, it's a tough question to answer because um, if you're doing it right, you're looking at each individual property and you're trying to find what I mentioned earlier, and that's the highest and best use. So when you're analyzing a property, what what's what's the maximum potential for that short term, long term, and that's going to give you an idea on what the best strategy should be. I mean, there's going to be properties that could be the perfect fit that you hold on to and keep in your portfolio forever. There's going to be others that you use the, uh, the BRRR method. So buy rehab, uh, rent, refinance, repeat, and continue to do that. Leverage 1031 exchanges for tax deferrals, and just swap till you drop. Keep on moving on to other investment properties to where you're not paying the taxes on them. And it, it just really is gonna be very property dependent. So a lot of people that I know that are investing in long-term buy and holds, they've got a very set criteria of what they're looking at. They have restrictions on if it's a single family, they don't wanna buy a huge sprawling house that when the day comes to put new siding on it, it's gonna cost them 40 grand. They, they wanna buy small 13 to 1500 square foot, three bedroom, one stories that are gonna rent for a certain amount of money and are gonna cost a certain amount of money. And if it doesn't fit in that box, they're not gonna buy it for that use. They're gonna flip it. They're gonna um, buy it, rent it, sell it once you've got a renter in it. So just, look at each property, understand how to analyze it. If you have a property under contract, don't be afraid to go talk to people that have been doing this a long time and get their opinion on what they would do and then ultimately make a decision on how you want to uh, ultimately make the most amount of uh, money out of the deal. I completely agree with that. Just to piggyback a little bit is um, only if you find a better property would I um, sell that property according to your criteria. Uh, everybody has a different strategy and a different criteria of what they want and some people like to take that better so if you find a closer property to your house or where you're living or closer to your criteria that might be time to let of the other house go and then move into this one but um, you can definitely hold it the idea is to be able to hold it as long as possible all right Holly is asking if she's just starting out, how do you figure out what kind of investment might be a good fit for me? So what kind of advice do you have for, for a new, new investor like that? I'll tell you from my end, from selling investors' properties is um, start small, don't over leverage yourself, put yourself in a, in a place that's gonna create a comfort zone for you. And I think part of that is, determining that before you go buy a property. I, I think it's good to be nimble and understand different options and have different properties you can look at to make money. But ultimately what you wanna do is you first wanna figure out what's your comfort level. Um, how long do you have once you purchase a property to rehab it, hold it, get it sold before you start putting yourself in a really tight spot financially. Um, but really start, start small. I, I, I mean, there's, there's still markets around Texas where you can find properties uh, in the low 100,000s, do a light rehab and sell them in the high 100s, low 200s and make a really nice, easy profit. 
and the risk is going to be extremely low because worst case scenario at that price range, typically you can rent it out and a worst case scenario break even if not make several hundred bucks a month. Um, so I would say if you're easing into it, get, get, um, be a little bit risk averse to start. Um, or maybe even just when you first start out, try wholesale. Don't jump into doing flipping just yet. Learn how to value properties, understand the best, uh, the best way to find other investors and either wholesale them or maybe partner on them is a good way to safeguard against some big pitfalls you could run into. I would add to that, uh, along with everything that Aaron said, let the market dictate what you do. I don't think we dictate what we do. I think the market dictates what we do and the property dictates what we do. Um, so having a few strategies uh, at all times, I think it's necessary because each property is going to dictate that you do something different with it. Um, just like the previous example that Aaron gave. So uh, I think a lot of investors, newer investors come into this uh, thinking that they get to make all the rules and uh, in a market-based environment, we don't, right? We get to play by the rules that the market sets for us. Um, and, and I know that that's a completely different mindset, a completely different way of looking at it. But that's honestly the way I look at everything in this business and everything that we do. I don't get to set anything. What I get to do is analyze what is already out there, what is already happening, and, and find where the niche is. Where is the need in the marketplace? And if I can fulfill that need, I know I'm going to do well. Yeah, I, I just think education is the way to go. A lot of people lose their money because they don't know their investment. They don't know either single family, multifamily, mobile parks, or whatever you wanna do. You gotta really know what you're doing before you put a penny in. Um, a lot of people get excited. They go buy the house and they, they don't know what's the plan afterwards. So you gotta plan it out and uh, just minimize the risk and, and fall in love with it. You know, if you really like what you're doing, you'll probably be thinking about it. You know, I, I wake up at three in the morning thinking about my investments and they don't let you sleep, but it's not, is not work really because you are enjoying what you're doing, but you really have to spend time knowing what, what you're doing. This is not a place where you can just give your money to the, to the financial advisor and let it roll or input it into the stock market and write the wave out. You know, this is you having control of what you're doing and uh, you are taking the decisions and you're taking the risks. So you got to learn uh, to know what you know and know what you don't know and stay away from it. Absolutely. You pay for your... They say you pay for your education one way or another. Either you pay somebody to help you mentor and get the education at the, at the beginning, or you pay for it in money lost because of the things you didn't know. Yeah, so. and I would say the last thing I would say on it too, and I, I know there's probably some contractors out here that would disagree, but at least on your first couple deals, if you don't fully GC it yourself, be really hands-on on your first couple rehabs. Because where I see so many people get bit is they go way over on their construction costs. They go way over on their timetable because they don't understand uh, how to budget for materials. They don't understand timelines on how long things should take. So I would really get immersive in that experience and really gain as much knowledge as possible there. So when the time comes where you've got multiple projects going on at a time, or let's say investing 
as a side gig and you have a full-time job, you know what to look for in a good contractor. You know what to look for when you're going to have somebody GC or if you're just finding subs yourself. So I, I just see so many people get bit on that front because they don't have a knowledge base and they don't know what to expect. And they end up going way over budget, way over time. And that's ultimately what eats up all their profits. So on your first couple of deals, soak that up, learn as much as you can on that side. Becky, I'd like to add something to that as well. When, when you're doing your first couple of deals, uh, if you haven't got a mentor or a coach to work you through it, like David is saying, take those deals to a hard money lender. If they'll do the deal, it's a good deal. Trust me. We won't, we won't lend on a deal that is a bad deal. We're just not going to knowingly do that. And we've already, in our case, we've already personally invested in hundreds and hundreds of deals and lent on thousands of deals. So we have seen so many deals come through. And a lot of times we'll have one come through and, and we'll call up the borrower and say, I don't think you should do this deal. I've literally had conversations and said, I'll go ahead and fund the deal for you, but you shouldn't do it. And here's why, because I'm the only one that's going to get paid on this deal. And, and obviously the smart investor is going to say, whoa, wait a minute, that I should walk away then is what you're telling me. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. I'm just being honest with you. I'd love to do the deal. I'd love to make the money. But in the end, you're going to do all this work and I'm the only one going to get paid. And that obviously is not anybody's goal. So take that deal that you want to do to a hard money lender, we'd love to be that hard money lender, but any hard money lender that has been doing it for a long period of time is going to be able to do that for you. It's that second set of experienced eyes looking at that deal for you. Great advice. Tom brings a great point, uh, which is one of the things that we do put a press a point is know your numbers. You know, real estate can be just sticks and stones but you got to know your numbers and a lot of people that are successful in, in real estate is because they focus on the numbers, not on the design or the paint or the contractor or the location or many other things. You got to know your numbers. Uh, and if you're buying right, it's hard to fail. You know, you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Amen. Exactly. All right. Other questions. Feel free to put them in the chat. Um, Tom and Aaron, you both are in multiple markets. What do you see as key differences between, between San Antonio, Houston, DFW areas? Go ahead, Tom. So for us, what we see is the, the Austin market is so hot we're not seeing a lot of deals uh, being done on the investor level. Now, if you've got a house to sell, call Aaron up, get it on the market, and he'll sell it for you in a flash, I guarantee. Not because he's awesome, and he is, it's because it's Austin, and there is such a shortage of property there. Um, you, you're starting to see some of that in the other markets in certain price points, um, for example, the Houston market, and more particularly, I'm very intimate with the Galveston County uh, part of the Houston market, and um, I, we just have an absolute shortage of affordable homes. Uh, it, it is such a shortage that we are actually, I have never, ever done new construction in my real estate career, but next week we will have the permit for our very first new construction. Uh, and it's gonna be a new construction to rent. 
It's not something we're going to put on the market and try to resell. Uh, we're actually building a, a build to rent model uh, because of the lack of inventory in our, in our market here. So uh, that's what we're Honestly, you know, I, I deal in some markets outside of Texas as well. And this story, we could, we could be talking about uh, Richmond, Virginia. We could be talking about Columbus, Ohio. We could be talking about Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I do business in all these areas, um, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. There is really in the affordable market a, a shortage across the nation. It's not just a Texas thing. Yeah. Um, man, I love talking about all the different markets in Texas because they're so unique and different, but they each have their own um, really amazing features about the real estate market. You know, Texas in general is, is very business friendly and fiscally responsible. And so, you know, when we look at the Austin market, our biggest issue here is affordability, right? So houses, when you look at medium home value, it's going to be much higher in Austin. It's going to be anywhere else in Texas. But the things that Austin has going for it is it is a capital city. It has a massive anchor university. It's a tech hub, um, tons of innovation jobs here, major, major, major employers that are both already here and still coming here, obviously with the Tesla plant, that's huge. Um, so Austin has so many redeeming features about it. I mean, the, the big issue here is again, finding a deal that's got enough meat on the bone to make it work. Um, you're probably going to do a little bit. It, it's going to be, even right now, it might even be a little bit easier to find a fix and flip than it is to find a buy and hold right now because prices have gone up so high. It's, it's really, it can be a challenge to make the numbers work on rentals if you're not buying multifamily. Um, Houston, what I love about Houston and investors in Houston is they have to be so savvy because there's so many different ways to make money in Houston. But Houston is just such a massive market and each different area has its own set of unique challenges, but equally rewarding things about it. But what you have to understand about Houston is, you know, it, it's very heavily weighted on the energy sector. It's a coastal area. So you have to worry about what kind of storms are getting. Obviously flooding has been an issue. and We've had historic flooding there that we haven't had to deal with before, but a lot of people came in and treated that as an amazing opportunity and ultimately did really well. So I think in Houston, it, it does take a little bit more savvy over there. And a lot of the investors we work with are extremely knowledgeable because they've had to deal with every everything under the sun that you would possibly have to deal with and they've learned from it. So we got Dallas, the Metro, the Metroplex is just so massive and we've seen such huge increases in values all over that area and some of the outer lying parts of Dallas. And so there's amazing opportunities there and there's areas that are still very affordable. And so we've got a lot of room to continue to rise in value. So it's a great market for fix and flips and buy and holds. Um, and there's a bit more of a safety net in Dallas than there is in other markets. Meaning if you buy right, you've got some margin for error on your flip. If you go a little over budget or you take a little bit longer, um, we've been seeing a lot of forgiveness there just on such an amazing market that it is. So it is a great, market to get started in. It's, in a, it's a market where for the last, oh gosh, nearly a decade, you've been able to make a couple mistakes and still come out ahead. Um, San Antonio, it, it, San Antonio is a bigger city than it feels like sometimes. And you have a military base, you've got huge hospitals there. There's a lot of great business in San Antonio. Again, it's still very, very affordable uh, for both fix and flips and buy and holds. 
Um, a lot of our investors out of Austin will actually go to San Antonio to get deals. And I tell you what, the I-35 corridor has, I, it wouldn't surprise me if in 10 years, we, it's basically Austin and San Antonio turned into one giant Metroplex like we have in DFW. So um, all great markets, very unique each one. Um, and it, it's all about education and understanding what opportunities are there. And, and in front of you and, and just finding the best way to find deals and turn them into good opportunities. David, you said you are in um, DFW and also Waco. Tell us a little bit about the Waco market. Well, the Waco market, it's a uh, peculiar, it's a great market. Um, it, it has the feeling of a smaller town or a small city, big town. It's been growing. I actually went to school there, um, to Baylor University, and uh, I have seen it develop for about 15 years. And uh, it has changed a lot. You know, the national attention to it, the Airbnbs are doing great there, and the university has given it its main growth. Uh, but also, uh, you know, bring it that small town feeling. Uh, houses have been doing great. You know, it's, it has, it's a great place to invest. Um, you do have to develop relationships. It's a closer group down there, but uh, a lot of, there's a lot of competition in, in, in what we're looking at. So it's, it's a great place to, to develop it. And it's right in the middle between Austin and, and, and Dallas. So it's like right, right there. So uh, the surrounding areas of Waco, Bellmead, and, and McLennan County, it's, um, it's been growing quite a bit, and they've been doing great things around it. So, yeah. All right. Um, we have a question. Would you give any advice or wisdom for a long-distance investor, somebody investing out of state? Yeah. Uh, if you're new, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be my advice until you get some experience. Now, I, I do do it, but I didn't until I had several hundred deals under my belt because the first out-of-state deal I tried to do, I lost the most money of any deal I've ever done in real estate. Um, so I, my advice is if you're new, stay in your backyard, stay in your market until you understand the ins and outs, and then you'll understand what you need to be successful doing it remotely. Now, uh, that, that sometimes is just not possible. Uh, you know, if you're uh, really wanting to do fix and flips and you're sitting in Hawaii, um, that's probably not going to be possible for you in your backyard. Or if you're in uh, some other high dollar areas, LA and, and some others I could think of. Um, so a lot of people from the higher dollar markets will try to do uh, investing in the medium to lower dollar markets. Um, if you're going to do that, then I would say absolutely you've got to get a mentor that does remote investing uh, to walk you through those steps so that you don't lose $230,000 on a deal like I did. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I, if you're going to do it, I, I would have a local partner. That, that would be my only caveat. I'll give you an example. We had an investor who um, lived in California, was buying in Austin, doing flips in Austin. Um, he ultimately sold the property and he, he did okay on it. Um, I, I think the strength of the market is the only thing that carried him through on that deal. Um, he had three contracts fall through just from issues he had with his 
contractors and getting buried on inspections for each deal that we did. And he didn't have anybody set up to come in and make repairs when buyers were asking or get things checked out. He had, he had an issue on the property where, you know, he had a plumbing problem, he had a leak and he's out in California. And it's, it's just one of those things where if anything could have gone wrong, it did. Um, and by the end of it, he was miserable and whatever money he made on that deal, I can guarantee you it was not worth it. Um, if he would have had a local partner to carry that burden for him and, and be over there and watch out for the job, keep his rehab costs where they needed to be, not go over budget on those things because he was getting taken advantage of because he wasn't here. Um, he would have slept a whole lot better at night. And he would have made a whole lot more money, even splitting it with somebody else. Um, so like Tom said, until you've got it down to a science and your systems and processes and how you do everything are, are working, it is, um, it's a really tough thing to do. And I would say find somebody local you trust, partner on it and put some safeguards in place that protect you if things go wrong. Um, and by that, I mean, a partner is a real partner. So a partner is somebody that has equally amounts to lose as you do if things go south and aren't going to bail on you and, and leave you holding the bag. So working out your contracts to where they have the same motivation to get to the finish line, they have the same leverage or they have the same issues if they bail. So um, that's, that's the best advice I can give you there. I think you have to know your market and uh, number two, I also think it depends on what type of real estate you're talking about. It's more doable towards the multifamily because you have a management company. If you have more than 60 doors, uh, you have somebody looking at the property day to day. And in relationship to a single family home, uh, you don't have somebody there on the ground every day. So um, I do think it depends. You can do it um, if your systems is down, like, like he mentioned, like Aaron mentioned. And uh, it's, it, you have to have a clean operation and a, a very clean follow-up on, on revising the numbers continuously to make sure you're hitting your targets and you're not out of the range. Uh, but but it's, it's hard to do. It's, it is a challenge. Um, if you're talking about a multifamily, then it's more doable, but you have to have the right relationships and hire that company and make sure you're supervising that company continuously. So I wouldn't start there for sure. Thank you, guys. Um we have a question. Do you have a mentoring program? David, do you have, do you have a mentoring program? We do. Um, we, we have uh, several students that uh, we have developed and uh, that is one of the reasons for our meetup. Um, and for doing this is to be able to help people out. Uh, just shoot me an email, impacthheb at gmail.com or uh, follow us or we'll send you out an email. Um, it depends on what you need and, and how you do it. And if you're local, uh, we would prefer that um, because I don't know how, how we're going to be able to know the market if you're not in Dallas, Fort Worth. We have some ideas, but it's, it's preferable to be local. And if you are not in Dallas, Fort Worth, and you're looking for a mentor, you can look on our marketplace under our education. Um, and also, if you're just looking for somebody to partner with a deal, post that on our community. That's that networking where you can connect uh, with people to help you out and, and do that joint venture deal that's going to help you get started. All right. Any other questions? Okay. Gentlemen, I think, I think that means you did a good job. So everybody's contact information is in the chat. So we'll keep this on and you can 
feel free to copy that if you want to save that information. Um, and Kyle, if you want to put mine in the chat as well, that would be great. And otherwise, we'll just, uh, anybody have any final words you'd like to say? That was a lot of fun. Out of ground. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, gentlemen, very much uh, for your contributions this evening in this event. And thank you to everybody else at home for joining us. And so have a, a wonderful rest of your evening and stay safe. All right. Thank you, guys. you guys. That was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. Take care, guys. All right. Yeah, See thanks. ya. Bye. Bye-bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.